0: Hi, right, welcome everybody to Noise Podcast. Uh today we have Philip with us. He is a YouTuber, uh a designer and uh maybe he can tell us a little bit more about himself as well, too. Uh, he has tons of videos. He has like a really, really insightful, kind of like very interesting way of going about uh, talking about design and learning about design, too. So we want to bring him on the podcast to kind of just uh, get his thoughts on things and kind of see his perspective because he's very forward thinking. He jumped on YouTube like well before a lot of other designers did. And I mean, even to this day, I think a lot of people still don't think that you know, YouTube is going to be as big as it is, but 100% it's going to be. It's going to take over TV, I think. So I think it's very smart how he's positioned himself so i should introduce our co-host as well uh our co-host here is is louis i'm here as usual
1: <laughs> pitching in the cynical comments let's get us dive in phil do you want to just give us a brief run through about where you've been where you're going what sort of things you'd like to enjoy on a day-to-day basis with your work
2: yeah sure my name's philip van dusen i'm uh the owner of an agency called verhal brand design um And located in uh, Maplewood, New Jersey, just outside of New York City. Uh, I've had a 25-year career of uh, being a senior creative leader in uh, global branding agencies as well as global corporations. Um, Spent a lot of time in the fashion industry as well as CPG companies, so consumer package good companies. And now I have my own agency, uh, which I started about four years ago. I have a YouTube channel uh, where I post videos on uh, brand building for entrepreneurs and creative professionals, and I've got about, I think, about 180 videos up there now. I have about 187,000 subscribers at this point. Um, I publish a, a newsletter every couple of weeks called Brand Muse, and uh, I do a lot of design and strategy work for clients, so that's kind of my my story. And what was it about YouTube that attracted you initially? Uh, Well, when I started my own agency, I knew that I was going to have to – I hate doing business development outreach, I mean, as most Mm -hmm. creatives do. So uh, the more I learned about content marketing, the more I realized that – um, if I just developed great content, that can be a magnet and my new business will come to me <laughs> rather than my having to reach out to find it. So that's uh, how I went about it. I actually first started my newsletter and published that for about six months before I started on YouTube. But when I was um, thinking about you know, either a podcast or YouTube, I thought, Well, design's a visual medium, right? So, I mean, I can talk Mm -hmm. about design a lot, but if I ever want to show anything, I'm not going to be able to do that on a podcast. So, I decided to go with YouTube. I thought that YouTube, you know, was also really poised to explode. And, of course, it did, Mm -hmm. probably long before I actually even got on it. But um, I, uh, so I started on YouTube. And I thought also, you know, if I start on YouTube, Uh, I could always repurpose my audio from YouTube onto a podcast and actually I'm planning on doing that very shortly Um, but I couldn't go the other way like you can't take a podcast and really put it on YouTube unless you like create some sort of cool visual screensaver to go along with it Um, so that's why I wanted YouTube
1: I think it's a really great um, lesson about content marketing or well remove the word content and just say marketing for yourself Mm -hmm. and jumping on the the content schedule it really is a, a valuable lesson for people to understand how you can market yourself and get better better work and better clients and get a better reputation within the industry mm-hmm. that's something that you just had a, a bright sparker idea in a moment or did someone recommend that to you uh, well, when I went out on my own, I had actually just started,
2: I had done a startup with an old partner of mine. We did an e-commerce um, accessories company and launched that kind of from scratch for about a year after I left my last major corporate role. And um, that kind of showed me how much I'd how much i been hands-off in the last 25 years. Like I hadn't been getting my hands dirty, dirty doing design or website building or email list building or any kind of marketing um, I'd been directing you know teams for a long period of time and so then when we shuttered that business and I started up my agency I I knew immediately that I was going to have to get very serious about content marketing and mm-hmm. um, I, knew that, uh, I, to, I, I knew that I wanted to I knew that I wanted to share my 25 years of learning about the creative professional life as well as branding and brand strategy with the world. I wanted you know, entrepreneurs and startups to be able to leverage the kind of strategic branding methodology that I'd been using for the P&G's and the Chevron's and the PepsiCo's of the world to build their brands. And so I successfully figured out a way to kind of scale down that strategic methodology so entrepreneurs, personal brands, small to medium sized businesses could use it. And I wanted to kind of teach everybody how to use it and just be really transparent about all those processes Mm -hmm. and how to build your own professional creative career and so that's what I was sharing about on, on YouTube and what I do share about and people always say to me, they say, you know, well, you're giving away the store, right? You're telling everybody how they can do this <laughs> stuff. You know, yeah. no one's going to hire you because they'll just go off and do it themselves. And the, the reality is that none of them want, want to do it themselves. Sure. And the beautiful thing about developing content and sharing what you know is that people realize your level of expertise. They recognize mm-hmm. that you know what you're doing and they, wanna, they come to you in order to do it for them. The sure. other thing about it is that they realize how complicated it is and how, you know, they can't just go to Fiverr and get a logo and suddenly have a brand ecosystem that's consistent and perfect across all of their brand touch points. Like you can't do it. So it does a few things. It, it builds a level of, uh, kind of appreciation for branding and strategy in people It teaches them that it's too complicated for them to do it. And then it also teaches them that you know how to do it and you're the person to go to, to get it done. And so that's how content marketing has worked for me. I mean, I think one of the greatest thing about it for creative pros, though, is that when, you know, we spend a lot of time kind of like having preliminary discovery conversations with possible clients where you're trying to prove that you know what you do, you know, you do and you have a great portfolio and you know what you're talking about and you waste, you know, a half an hour, an hour conversation trying to win them. Right. The wonderful thing about content marketing is that when people come to you after seeing your content, they already know that they want to work with you. Mm-hmm. And you have cut off an entire hour of conversation trying to introduce and prove yourself. And yeah. it almost gets down to like you immediately start talking about deliverables and and um, and budget. Like you jump right into it. You jump right over that whole first call. And so in terms of how much time it put, takes me to put out content, it's almost worth it just for that alone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's super interesting because this is one thing that I, I tried to do the freelance jump at one point by myself and um it was it was kind of funny because I failed like epically and and I like sharing that story because um I I I have like a really solid portfolio and it feels, you know, pretty decent but like I I was so confused why like I couldn't find work and I was like one I didn't you know go out and try to like message like a thousand people like people don't realize like the volume game and then two like once I realized that too I was like oh there's even a better method which is kind of what you've been doing for a while is is have people come to you right like you don't want to go out to people and like try to convince them that your ideas are good that this works like you've already proven that through your body of work right like you've you've had so many years of doing this and so with content marketing what I saw with a lot of people and a pattern that that happened over and over was that people would put this stuff out and people came to them and so that roi is like insane right you know you spend like an hour you know maybe recording this video maybe like three four post-producing it whatever it might be and then now you have infinite amount of people looking at this stuff and you're building brand and people don't realize how important that is too and so what's your take on when when you're doing a lot of your videos and and like branding them because they're all very consistent they're, they all have like a look and a feel to them like is that like part of your thought process when you do that?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, all of branding is about consistency, right? It's mm-hmm. it's consistency. I have this saying that it's like out of feed, out of mind. And mm-hmm. one of the things about <laughs> being a creative a pro idea. is that you you have to show you have to show up and feed regularly because that's how you. I talk about the three R's all the time, right? Being recognized, remembered, and revered. In order to be recognized, you got to show up consistently. In order to be remembered, you have to look the same. In, in order to be revered, you have to like do great work. Sure. For creative pros, yeah, you can post your, post your portfolio on Behance or something like that. But unless you're showing up regularly on someone's Instagram feed, Facebook feed, LinkedIn feed, they're not going to start getting that indelible picture of who you are and what your branding looks like and what your colors are. Um. Until you show up regularly, so
0: yeah,
2: it, I've been very, very intentional about the look and feel of my thumbnails, the color palette that I use, the fonts I use, you know, the placement of all my elements on on just about every kind of social media platform that I'm on. For that very reason, because now when people you know scroll by super fast, they see a thumbnail that's from me and they know it's from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another challenge is that. You know 50 over 50 percent of web traffic is on a phone so i mean you're talking about mm-hmm. a thumbnail that people are looking at that's literally on their phone it's like a half inch by a half inch sure. and so you have to be like super simple in terms of your design mm-hmm. color is massively important in terms of recognition mm-hmm. and you have to be recognized in a moment's notice because you know you know how fast you scroll through a feed with your thumb right i mean Absolutely. things fly by so having that kind of consistency is,
1: like, it is really important. Mm-hmm. And all these really good tips seem like you're just rolling off with them, but I'm assuming it's taken you lots of different tests to come to these conclusions. And when do you think that you got to the point where you thought, okay, this, this is the branding I'm going to run with for this video series? Uh. I didn't actually
2: do a lot of testing. I kind of I did a lot of testing but I didn't put it out there. I I pretty much decided on an aesthetic that I was going to use and I went out and I stuck with it. And the interesting thing is I was just talking to a partner about this this week is that, you know, I've been I've been using exactly the same kind of thumbnail for the last 3 years and I'm starting to get tired of it, so I'm ready to evolve it and change it and make it something different. Um but that's okay because I've established this level of recognition with what I've done. And as long as you're really intentional about the choices that you make, rather than just being haphazard, then you're going to be fine. It's like when you know when I work with entrepreneurs um, who are building personal brands. That's the first thing I say. I say you know you may be making an, an a, a costly investment at the very outset, um, but when you compare it to what it's going to cost to clean it up if you do it badly. Pales in comparison because mm. you know going out of the gate and you know building you know logos or thumbnails or different social media platforms where you're doing posts and doing thumbnails and um you know doing um, you know imagery for your posts. If you go out there and spend six months posting stuff willy-nilly and don't pay attention to what your branding looks like, your layouts look like, your color palette looks like, when it when six months down the road, you're gonna look at your overarching brand ecosystem and you're gonna say, I don't recognize anything that I do, mm. None of this is the same. Yeah. And then you realize the importance of that consistency and you go, oh crap, now I gotta go back and I have to clean it all up. And that's really expensive. So it's better Absolutely. to kind of like take the moment in the beginning, think it through, you know, design all your different kind of brand elements you're going to need, and then use those to populate everything that you do. Mm -hmm. One of the, I mean, I'm just going to tell a very quick story, and just because it kind of tickles me, is that I did this video called, um, uh, what actually does a creative director do? Because a lot of people like are under the mistaken pres- uh, perception that if you become a a creative director, you just get to sit in a lazy boy and point like point <laughs> and tell people their creative sucks and what font to use and what image to use. What they mm-hmm. don't really realize is that it's like this massive level of... It's a paradigm shift in being a designer to being a manager, you know, from people management to excel spreadsheets to working with clients to mm-hmm. all of the organizational and managerial sides of being a creative director. Anyway, I did this video. It hit a nerve, got really popular, and one of my friends said they were searching for a picture of a creative director to populate an article they were doing. So they went on Google Images and they like search creative director. My video was the first <laughs> image in Google images that's pretty good or what does a creative director do it was like my video thumbnail and then it was like 50 black and white pictures of famous creative directors <laughs> and that and that shows you the power of uh, YouTube and absolutely YouTube is the biggest is the second biggest search engine in the world and because yeah. Google owns it Google prioritizes YouTube content in search so it prioritized my video about creative directorship Mm -hmm. in google image search that's another thing about going to video that i really wanted to leverage because i knew that i knew that um the more content i put out there on branding and and entrepreneurship the the higher i was going to come up in google search because of that because of youtube's relationship to google and that's a whole nother that's a whole nother reason for doing content for creative
0: people yeah, it's like they knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys they're they're really smart. It was it was really interesting when, when they first bought up YouTube and like I immediately like made that connection of like, oh, like Google one is not a search engine. It's like they're building AI and now YouTube is not fully, you know, like a video kind of like content. Place. It's it's more of a search engine, like you said, right? And if you treat it that way, and you think, you know, in that way, when you're making your videos, you can kind of like reverse engineer and be like, okay, so people are going to be searching for for questions. You want to provide those answers. And it, and it's funny because this is how we kind of found out about you is we had a bunch of, you know, que- or I should say, I, sh- I had a bunch of questions about, you know, different random design things. And I'd always be, you know, YouTubing them just to kind of see what other people think about these things. Because I always try to get like multiple perspectives on things. And you had a, a lot of very thoughtful videos on, on like very specific niche topics. And I was like, this guy, he gets it. He gets it. And a lot of people don't really fully understand what's happening right now, how we're going from what, what happened like back in the day, right? We went from radio to uh, television, and then we're going now from television to the internet. And people don't realize that we're making this new change and pretty soon we're going to go back to radio because we have all these, you know, connected audio devices and stuff too. And so audio first is going to be a huge thing too, which is why we kind of started this podcast, right? We wanted to have Alexa briefings and all these like random other things that, that we can kind of like ride the audio wave on too. But there's this whole like different level that people don't don't really understand fully what's going on. I think you're you're kind of special. So you might be in a little bit like of this bubble of like, you know, you you think that everybody maybe knows about it, but... Or may, and maybe you're aware of it, but like I talk to a lot of people and I'm talking about, you know, content marketing and all these things. And they're like, what are you talking like? Why would you do that? You know, like that. That sounds crazy. Like you said earlier, you're giving this stuff away for free. Like, why would you give it away for free? But it's it's really interesting what's happening right now on the Internet.
2: Yeah. YouTube is the biggest. I think it's the biggest education platform is there is out there when people want mm-hmm. to learn how to do something, especially, you know, before younger than baby boomers. Um, that's where they go. That's the first place they go. I mean, I bought a bike rack for my Subaru Forester, right? And I got it in the mail. And I'm like, how the hell do I put this thing on? So I go on YouTube and I'm like, to me, bike rack, model, blah, 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 install on Subaru Forester. And boom, <laughs> it pops up, yeah. five-minute video, this guy installing that exact bike rack on it's my insane. exact year, Forester. And I was just like, <laughs> This is what it's all about, yeah. you know, and so and when I started doing videos, that's exactly my approach. It was like I'm going to do I'm going to teach people how to do branding mm-hmm. design. I don't teach design like I don't do tutorials with software apps and stuff. I, I really kind of stay in the more um, kind of strategic or, um, uh, you know, kind of a conceptual part of design and career development. Um, because that's what really you know kind of excites me. And plus, there's like ten zillion other people on YouTube who are doing tutorials and much better than I would. And I'm not really kind of interested in teaching that portion of it. Sure.
0: S- sure.
1: S- speaking of the, the, your your ideas and your your direction on the strategy and more the conceptual side of things, how do you come up with the ideas for the videos? Do you have a big notebook somewhere that you write them, jot them down, or do you go and search and find trends in what people are looking for? How do you How do you come up with the ideas?
2: Kind of all of the above. I mean, I first I first started off with literally thinking, okay, if I had a someone who had just gotten out of school and I wanted to teach them about the real world, like, you know, when I went to art school, I went to fine art school. I, I have my master's in painting, of all things. And there was the sign to our school, you know, Kansas City Art Institute faced outward towards the street. But on the inside of that sign, someone had spray painted the real world so <laughs> when you were inside the Kansas City Art Institute you looked out and the real world was on the outside and I think that schools have done a real disservice to the creative professionals in the world because they're not mm-hmm. teaching them the skills that they need to know yeah. and I came to the skills that I needed to know the hard way like on the job and sure. going through the you know the growth trajectory that my my career took me through and I just thought you know, number one, I can teach people who are building their own personal brands how to do that by using all these methods. Um, but then I can also help the creative professionals like succeed in their careers easier than I did. Like it's pay pay it forward as far as I'm concerned, and teach them all the stuff that I didn't know, like how to nace an interview. You know, how to present to a client. Mm-hmm. You know, how to do a discovery phone call. You know, all that sort of stuff. And I just thought, what would a junior designer want to know? And so I just started cranking out videos on those sort of topics, and then I started sharing more about my own personal uh, agency building journey, um, where you know how do you leverage content marketing? You know how do you um, how do you you know build a brand ecosystem so it's consistent? How do you design great thumbnails? How do you um, it, you know just like every single topic under the sun I I get them from you know things I see come across my feed I mean nothing's original right so I mean Mm -hmm. every person who does content will bring their own particular history understanding perspective to it and Mm -hmm. your take on it is going to be different than somebody else's take so I may see a video that someone's doing on content marketing and go oh that's an interesting take my take on it would be this and you know what's really important about it for me this week is this topic and then I'll do it the other thing about it is that you can have 10 people who are doing a video on content marketing but you know you may find like five of those people really annoying either their their voice or their video production isn't good their sound sucks or they they just blab on and on and they go off the tangent their videos are 30 minutes long you know there's a 10 million reasons to not like the way some person presents something and there are, is there five reasons why you like the way this one particular person presents things? It's a good point and you may just gravitate towards one person. So mm-hmm. you know if you're thinking about your creative pro or entrepreneur out there and you're thinking about doing content, think about the fact that you, you know someone may want to learn from you you know your age, your gender, your um, your particular level of experience
0: sure.
2: um, and how you present it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when I present, most of my videos are anywhere from six to nine minutes long. I have very few videos that are over ten minutes because I value people's time. And mm-hmm. a lot of the branding people I watched when I was kind of studying YouTube before I started my channel, I was really frustrated because a lot of people just fucking – oh, sorry. You may have to leave that out. Oh, go, just blab, blab on and on and on. They go off on these tangents. And it, like, takes them 30 minutes to get to the topic or the, the meat of what they're talking about. And I was sure. like – I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go into a video, I'm going to like, "Hi, I'm Phil and go right into the content." Sure. And I can get in and out and drop like significant value in about 6 to 9 minutes. Mm. And I can't tell you how many people thank me for that. They're like, "Oh my god, I've been <laughs> looking for you forever. You just you just taught me more in the last 6 minutes than I learned in my last year of university." And that's the co- sort of stuff when I hear it that just like it sends me to the moon. I love that.
1: I'm really happy that you just loop that back to education because you started to talk about your own education uh, at the start of your just last point. And I think me and Wukash have both got strong thoughts about design education in particular and how that really doesn't prepare you for going out and writing a resume or talking to someone in an interview or building your own personal brand. What are your thoughts on the sustainability of design education? Because obviously you can learn a lot of practical things that are very useful. But at the same time, with the burgeoning YouTube scene and the amount of content on the web being infinite, you can also teach that yourself. So I'm wondering what you think about the value.
2: Well, you know, I came, I came up from a fine art education, but I, I also know that a lot of people, my, my friends in college who were studying design, you know, they got out and they felt that they were woefully unprepared too. Um, I think that educational institutions are always slow on the uptake. Because the people who are teaching them have you know, have been in the academic environment for a while, usually. And they're usually a little bit of out of touch in terms of what's really going on in the world. And the institutions that um, change and update their curriculum to address what's currently happening are the ones that are the best. And the ones that I think will ultimately survive. I think that... Um, for instance, I was talking just recently, the, the SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design, approached me to to join their design faculty. And I, uh, you know, so I got to know what they were doing a little, leap, little deeper level as they were courting me. And um, I, you know, I eventually passed on it because I wasn't ready to move to Savannah. But I was really impressed, actually, by that university and the fact that they have totally change their curriculum and have a huge offering in terms of personal branding and uh, digital marketing as it relates to people who are in creative professionals. And not only design professionals, but fine art professionals. And I just thought mm. that that was um, exceptional. And I was really pleased to see it because that was actually one of the first times that I'd seen a university. Um, Or, you know, a fine arts institution um, preparing their students in the way that I thought was going to be valuable to them getting out of school. Like like the money they spent on their education was (laughs) going to be worth it rather than getting out with this degree and no skills on how to, like, get a job or survive in the, the new world.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely like a really weird problem with colleges. I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because I went to college, spent all this money. We all do.
2: <laughs> Everyone who went to university, yeah, we all had chips on our shoulders. Sure,
0: sure. So it's probably a lot more common than, than I even realized. But yeah, it's one of those weird things. I, I try to tell people that I'm like, like this is crazy to go to design school nowadays because in in my honest opinion, I think that I could have spent that time. And and there was a few teachers that I kind of latched on to that were really good. And I was like, okay, you teach philosophically. You don't teach something that's that's like, you know only year two thousand you know twenty to two thousand twenty five and then everything yeah. after that is gonna be you know dead they taught me how to like develop concepts and how to do like volume and how to like you know I'll put like a hundred concepts and you know that the first ninety nine are gonna be like total shit and then after that you're gonna start coming up with the good ideas so those are the ones that I latched on to but for the most part like when I went to design school it was like I left and in, and in, when I went to like the real world, I was like, I, I literally felt like I had no idea what I was doing. And it, it, there, there was a good reason for that because no, we were literally learning how to use Flash in our design schools. And I was Yay. like, like, you guys, do you not realize that like literally it's not like it's not it's a technology that's going to be dead. Like they're already making it, you know, like you, you couldn't even install it in some places. And they were right. teaching this in school and that was so insane to me. And I would go online and I would just learn online because somebody had like mentioned they'd like got famous online or something and I was like, oh, that's crazy. Like, how did that happen? You know, so I like kind of dug into it and, and they kind of had this idea of like content modeling and having like a lot of Um, basically like they they pushed out a lot of creative and people found them and I was like oh that's really interesting and so I started digging a little bit deeper and then I found like this whole second world of like design school that it was like basically you know the the school of YouTube and and you'd go on these channels and I was like these guys that are like you know 23 24 are better than these teachers that I have you know (laughs) like this is crazy and so To me that was like, it was super awesome. So I still have a little bit of chip on my shoulder because like I spent all this money and and it's like the only thing you can't even go bankrupt from. Like that's insane. Like there's, there's gonna be a legitimately big problem. And like you said, there's only gonna be a few survivors, you know, like those top tier schools. The ones that are actually care about their, their their students, those are the ones that are gonna survive. And I feel like the other ones are just gonna sink. And it's already happening. You can see all these colleges closing. Yeah,
2: and, and the, the, the explosion of student debt isn't helping it because they're making you know, people are having to go into massive debt in order to get an education that's not serving them.
0: And <laughs> so insane.
2: that news is gonna hit the marketplace, you know. Mm-hmm. And people are gonna realize that, oh wow, you know, if I I'd rather save and use it to pay my rent while I study YouTube and, you know, Skillshare and, you know, all the other learning platforms. And I can get, you know, I can get an education that will serve me better that way. And, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot on my channel and also with people that I coach and stuff is that you know you guys know this too De- design is, is it's a very tough industry to make a living in now mm-hmm. primarily because design is being commoditized
0: Brilliant. and
2: you know between AI and you know smart applications that can develop layout that it's passable you know for 90% of the for the marketing public you know things like Canva or Adobe Spark or stuff mm-hmm. like that um, it's massively kind of like chipping away at what is the bread and butter of designers. And mm-hmm. then you layer on top of that the global economy where you can pay someone in India or China or whatever, you know, pennies on the dollar, you know fifty dollars is like a king's ransom to them to do a design or a website or whatever for you. Um, it's massively eating into the the profitability of being a creative professional in our in our country anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, seeing that, I've made it my mission to kind of up-level the skill set of every creative professional that I come into contact with. And that is, how do you bulletproof somebody's career? And how do you make them indispensable as a partner? And when it comes down to it, and not every designer has this capability, but you have to develop a broader skill set in order to become an independent, indispensable partner to your clients and that may be some additional skill on top of design whether that's content marketing or image you know video editing or audio editing or uh, you know brand strategy or copywriting or you know any number of things that are a little deeper than just layout or just design or just photography you have to you have to make yourself more um more indispensable and that takes a level of you know um, kind of continuing education coming out of school in order to to get but if people don't wake up to that fact they're going to find themselves you know out of a creative job before you know sooner than they're already starting to experience
1: yeah i think you're you're completely right and what there's there's still a, a dilemma where we can throw all these extra skills that someone needs to develop and then they start spreading themselves thin and not really excelling at anything and i'm wondering how what you'd essentially say to someone who is 21 and if they've essentially only been taught design how this is how a photoshop works and you say oh no you've actually got to go and learn all these other things like how to write a business plan and how to strategize for your a team how to look after people and it's just going to be completely overwhelming i'm wondering what you'd well, you say to that person. Yeah, I mean, there's
2: there's the, the battle between
1: specialists and generalists,
2: right? If you're working in a corporation or an agency, you're more apt to be able to make a living as a specialist because that's what they want. They have bigger teams and they need people to do specific jobs. If you're in a startup or you're more entrepreneurial, you have to be more of a generalist because you're going to be wearing more hats. Mm-hmm. But even if you're just kind of getting out of school and you study design and you have one particular skill set, you're a photo editor. You're a you know a crazy, great type of person. Um, What I would say is that push yourself to have a greater understanding of what the impact of what the work is that you're doing, the value of the work that you're doing and how it's affecting the businesses that you are applying it to. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of people who are creative pros are stuck in the aesthetic of the thing that they're designing rather than the effect of the thing that they're designing where it's going and why people are paying for it. And the more you start to learn what the value of it is of the thing that you're creating, where it's applied, why companies need it, why it's of value to that company. Hmm. Learning about where it sits in the in the in the production cycle of that company's product, right, as it goes to market. Expanding that business understanding is what's gonna take you to that next level. Yeah. Mm. So even if it's just like your own particular thing, you do apps, you do UX, you do UI, you do websites, understanding where that thing sits in the value of a business and how it affects their bottom line, how they make money, how their how their product moves to market, how it affects consumers. Having a deeper and broader understanding of that and then also learning how to articulate it to clients will take you to that next level of being a more valued business partner because you're understanding the impact of what you do to a business and that's something that someone who is just you know supplying a logo on Fiverr can't do they can't understand the business they can't understand where their stuff is fitting into that puzzle mm-hmm. and I would just encourage people to think about their work that way and learn about their work that way because that's what is going to take them to that deeper level of business understanding and is gonna up-level what they do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I find really interesting about a lot of the videos that, that you put out there is that you're very thoughtful. Like it's not just this very surface level, you, you tend to dig a little bit Because I'm deeper. old. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a young man, young man. Um, but, but you have like a lot of uh, very interesting insight to things, so, so one thing that I've, I'm kind of curious about is like one thing that maybe you're fascinated about outside of design so it can be you know mm. green tea that's imported from indonesia or an app you're using right now something mm. that like you're just super like on fire about
2: well i've i did a video recently called are you a multi creative and i and it blew up and i asked people at the end of the video if they would share in the comments about their struggles if they're struggling with being multi creative and the stories that people shared in that comment section was more deep and more involved than any other video I've ever done. Mm. And I've always been a multi creative person. I'm, I've been a musician my whole life, play guitar, play bass, sing, write music, I've always mixed music on logic, even in, in doing production for other people. But awesome. I relegated it as a, as a hobby early on in my career, because I was a painter. I was a musician. (laughs) Then I started doing computer art and design and t-shirts and fashion stuff. And I was like, I had so many things going, I had to limit it. So at one point in my career, when I was about 30, I just said, look, music is going to be a hobby. It's always going to be a hobby and I'm just going to keep it there. And so I've always done music, but just recently in the last two years, I just, I've always been a guitarist, completely self-taught Don't know how to read music. I can read tablature, but I could never read music. Mm. And I knew that that was always holding me back. And so just a couple years ago, um, my wife had had played piano as a kid and I was looking for a great Christmas present for her. And I thought, I'm just gonna buy a digital piano and then maybe she'll take lessons and then maybe I'll take lessons. So I bought this piano and we both decided we were gonna take piano lessons. So we've both been taking lessons every week for 2 years That's and awesome. i'm learning to read music and the 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 mystery of written ta- music tablature is is now being revealed like i'm learning how to read music I'm, i can now look at notes on a page yeah. and play it and here's the here was the mind blowing part for me. Like when I wrote a song, I would record it. That was the only way I could remember how to do it, right? Or I would go back and listen to old songs that I'd recorded and go, "Oh yeah, I can plunk that out." I figured out what I did like ten years ago. And now, my uh, my piano teacher has been encouraging me because I'm always improvising, right? Even on the piano, knowing almost nothing, so I'm improvising stuff. And she's one week she gave me a, a blank staff sheet and she said, "I want you to write." what you were just playing and so I went back and I wrote the little piece of music that I was plinking around on on the piano and I wrote it to the best of my ability on a piece of staff um, paper and I took it to her the next week's lesson and I said play this and she played the song that I had made up in my head and written down at home having never heard it before right that's awesome and that just blew my mind it was like yeah. if I could write something down on a piece of paper give it to someone else and they could play on a musical instrument this thing that I just wrote and it's so simple to think about but when you've been recording music and just not reading music and just doing everything by sound and audio your Mm. whole life and then suddenly you learn how to write it on paper and someone else can do it it was like I just like and totally it's amazing and there's another
0: level to that too so i there was this really great video and i I can't remember who the guy was i'll I'll have to send it to you after this because i feel like you're going to really appreciate this but there's a guy that plays Chopin's. um i forget what what the exact song was but it was after somebody had passed away he wrote this song that like Mm. literally it's like you you have to hold the tears back when you watch him play this song because you can feel like the pain this guy's feeling when when he plays it so there's like a whole another level where where now not only have you written this down like somebody else can convey that same emotion through this song this tablature and that's the beautiful thing about art and design is like you can teach other people kind of how you're doing through your your you know your youtube channel to kind of like help express that and help kind of convey those things that are that almost seem like uh uh incommunicable like it's it's hard to like like communicate some of these concepts, but the second somebody you know presses a note on a piano or two, like y- you feel something. It's so strange to me because this was actually my first degree. I was in music and recording and stuff, and so we had to sit mm, down and really actually, like yeah. sit and listen to music. Right, like I had to sit to a bass drum and like for like hours and so you you really learned like the tiny little nuances about music and and how to you know hit the key just right like it's a trampoline you know there's there's all these tiny little things and then when you do it right man it's it's so cool it's so cool when you feel that you feel that in your soul it's like the best feeling in the world
2: absolutely absolutely that is so that is so true and there there's this song that i had always heard like on classical music stations when and it was super simple and really beautiful and poetic and like you said kind of the song that could bring tears to your eye it was a song called "Gymnopédie," and it's written by eric sati ah,
0: and Satie, it's yeah. a
2: super super famous song and like i don't know dozens and dozens of different musicians have done their variation on it and i I took it to my piano teacher and I said, "If I can learn how to play this song, I will be happy. Mm. I mean, I'll be happy with everything we've ever done up until this point. Is if you can just teach me how to play this song," she said, "Absolutely." So she like gave me the sheet music, and over about three months, I like plunked away at it. Finally, got it down so I could play it, and it was magical. Doing being able to do that is just like it's so it's so
1: exciting. So. To answer yes. your question, that's the thing I'm 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 geeking out on these days. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's just something so nice about the tangible nature of it. What you you just described to us about having something documented perfectly, whereas the thing, of, the issue about designers is that is so imperfect how we document and share ideas and mm. have our have our thoughts in the wild and it gets so misinterpreted so easily. Mm. Um, we, I think we've we've reached our final question of the of the podcast. I'd like to test you with a little question that Peter Thiel actually asks in his interviews. I'd be be curious to know what you say to the the question. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I hope your
2: listeners are ready for a long pause.
1: (laughs) No, it's okay. Suspense. (laughs) Say the question again. What? What important truth do very few people agree with you on?
2: In order to be successful as a creative you have to do more things than just be creative. Excellent.
0: Mm. Awesome. Great. Well, I think we're going to be wrapping it up. That was, that was a super, super great talk. We really appreciate you, Philip. And thank you for taking the time to, to sit down and and chat with us. And thanks for the patience a little bit early on. I know we had a little bit of technical difficulty, so worked our way through that. So we are, we're very much appreciative.
2: Well, Louie and Lou, thank you so much for, uh, Woo, I should say. Sorry. Messed mm-hmm. up. There's all the L's in your guys' names. <laughs> yeah. It's confusing. As they're written, anyway. T- tongue twisters. Um, I want to do one little plug. If anyone wants to uh, subscribe to my newsletter, it's uh, they just go to philipvandusen.com slash muse. M-U-S-E. It's called Brand Muse. comes out every couple weeks. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. And also, if you want to know what's going on in my world in terms of YouTube videos or podcasts I'm on, et cetera, that's where it comes.
0: Absolutely. So any notes that you guys want, um, we're going to have them down below. So whether you guys are on YouTube or you guys, if you guys are uh, listening to this on Spotify, we're going to basically putting all the notes in there. So, um, if you guys are looking for Philip's newsletter or for his YouTube channel, they're all going to be in there. So check, uh, either check on our website or wherever you guys are listening. Cool. Thanks
2: for having me on you guys. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. See you later. All
0: right. Take it easy, Philip. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks so much for listening guys. I hope you enjoyed that one. We just wanted to ask you one quick favor. We work crazy hard to bring the guests on and all the work that goes with it. We only ask you two things. The first one, if you aren't already subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. Whatever platform you're using, we're pretty much on all the platforms. And second is to just share it with somebody you think would enjoy it. That's all. It would mean so much to us. Thanks everybody. Peace.